We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So we don't have a lot of questions today, but we got some good ones, I think. And so let's dive right into it, Mr. Roberts, and start off here with a super chat from Lucky Ducks 512. Appreciate you for that. Really appreciate you. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you so much. And the response is love IB. Think you guys give the most reasonable and accurate info based on camp. Do you think this team will have the killer instinct to really put teams away and show they are elite or is it still too early to tell? I mean, for me, Ryan, I, I don't care what they showed in practice. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's great, and and it's good, and I'm excited. Part of my excitement about this team is what I've seen in practice. Yep. But until you do it on a Saturday, it really doesn't mean a whole lot, honestly. And so, am I optimistic that they'll have that kind of mentality? Sure. But doing it that in practice and doing that in a 60 minute football game is is a little is quite different. So I'm hopeful. I'll just say that I'm hopeful they'll have that. But really, that comes down to more what's what's who, to me, that's more of a Marcus Freeman thing, though, at the end of yeah. the day is, you know, you, you guys could come out like last year against Navy. They came out trying to bury Navy last year. Yeah, they did. And then just lost their focus in the second half. And that's partly coaching. I mean, that that's partly, hey, are we coming out the second half and doing the stuff we've been doing? Are we going to have the same mentality? We're trying to put this team away, you know, and. Those are the different things that you'll learn about the coaching staff as well, not just the football team. But I'm optimistic about it, Ryan. But I'm just a believer when it comes to things like that. That's not something you you can you can work on building your your character in practice, but you don't really know who you are until you see it on a Saturday. And so that's why I'm I'm going to wait and see approach. But but I'm more optimistic they're going to be that team this year than I than I probably was at this time a year ago. Two things I'm very hopeful for. One is that they have the killer instinct to the question. The other one is that they play with more swagger and a little bit more flair. Like I want those two things to exist based upon what you have told me in practice and the recaps you had. Sounds like it's trending in that direction. But uh, to your point, man, I have been on some teams that were actually terrible practice teams, but just turned it on in games that were great practice teams, but didn't turn it on as much in games and a little bit of mixture there. Right. Mm -hmm. So what is the, what is the actual, what can we actually know about this team right now? 
we know what they're being taught on a day-to-day basis and we know what they're showing us in practice but in their athletic ability and stuff like that right but until it's translated to a game you just don't really know because when the lights shine some things change right and things change for the better things change for the worse sometimes like it's just very hard to predict what it like like we have questions of course as we always do and it's a good question of freshmen making an impact on Notre Dame and I'll say it like this there are some freshmen that shine bright in practice but then the lights turn on and you're just like yeah you might be your way sir like you might not quite be ready for that smoke right now so let's just let's wait and see what they look like game one because I think you will get a pretty good glimpse of what they can be in game one even if you don't get the full scope I mean, because Ryan, look, at, at the end of the day, there's part part of the difference between practice and a game is there's less on the line at practice. If you make a mistake, if 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 I line up and we, we're playing the triple option and I come out there and we just, man, we play it great and we blow it up, that's great. You move on to the next play. But then, man, we you know hit two guys, hit the wrong gap, and they rip off a big play. Hey, run that again, fellas. Run that again. Yeah. There's no run it again in, in games, man. No you, you make that mistake and it's it's six nothing. Right. I mean, that that's the reality of there's that. So that's where the, the, the pressure's just ramped up. The focus has got to be so much greater. And that's one of those many differences between between games and practices. There's just so much less room for error. And, you know, you take some chances. Maybe you wouldn't take in practice because, you know, the consequences aren't as great. You know, we, we I've, I've made this point before, like we'd seen Ian book in practice just looking like a million bucks. And I've said to people. Ryan, I know I've said this to you. If if Ian Book would have played on Saturdays like he's I, he saw again in a lot of the games practices that we saw in certain periods, you'd be like, man, this guy's going to be a star. You know, and then you get out to the game and it's check down, check down, hold it, scramble, check down, check down. Don't throw it down the field, and you're it just was a different guy because the once yeah. the, the, once the consequences are greater, he just was unwilling to, to do. It. And then other guys are, I don't care. I'm going to go out there and sling it. This is who I this is who I am. Why do you practice that way? Because this is who I am. That's why I play that way on Saturday. Yeah, but you'll never really know until you get to Saturday, man. You really never know. Without question. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're stressed about buying tickets or doing some last-minute ticket hunting to college football games, concerts, comedy shows, your favorite activities, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. 
Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Our next question was from Marcus Freeman's Little Leprechaun Boy. Okay, Ben. <laughs> Mailbag. I was watching an interview with Ryan Day, and he was asked, What is one thing he could change about college football if he could do so? He said he'd make the hash marks like they are in the NFL. Thoughts? Of all the crap that needs to get fixed in college football, <laughs> that's what your attention is? I like I've heard that a lot of people that... defer to this too. Because I honestly like it's no shot against Ryan Day, but I feel like a lot of coaches, it's just like, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. So I'm gonna say like the most like right. non who cares topic. But it's just like, time. dude, this but this also to me shows a lot of what's the issue with Ryan Day. And until he fixes this. Because what's the whole purpose of this, Ryan? What's the purpose of having smaller hash marks, more narrow hash marks, more space for your passing game to work? Yeah. That's what it boils down to. And, you know, because if you're on the far hash in college, there's some throws that you just, some some plays you can't call. When when you're from, and you're on the far hash in the NFL, everything's on the table. And not just because you have NFL arms, it's because you have a far hash throw is not nearly as far in the NFL as it is in college. I mean, that, right. that's what it is. It's about, I want to, I want to be able to have more room to throw the football. Um, it just, you know, it's not something that, you know, 2012 Nick Saban would have given a rip about. Cause he's like, well, we, we just got this room in here and we're just killing you in here. So what do we need to worry about all that stuff for? You know, we won a championship with Marquise Mays as our leading receiver. You know what I mean? So uh, I just, you know, it, it, if there was one thing that I could, that you could say, you can only make one change. And only one change. I said this before. I would I would make it to where there was one, like any TV deals that were signed went to one entity, and that and that entity would take out just whatever it costs for them to just do their business, and then every other dollar split evenly amongst all the Power Five teams, and that way we don't have to care as much about all this other nonsense and bullcrap that's happening uh, with it. If it was something more related to the game, you know. I'd have to think about that one more, Ryan. I kind of, I kind of like um, the game the way that it is. To be completely honest with you, they asked um, Yurcevich from Penn State. I'm sure I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but the offense coordinator. They asked him a similar question, and his response was, "He would like when a player has an injury timeout on the field because obviously he's an offensive guy. So his mind's thinking they're trying to slow the game down. That that player has to sit out the entire series instead of one play, which I thought was kind of interesting because it would cut down on people faking injuries potentially if it's true. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I could see that. I, I would I wouldn't make it a whole series. I'd maybe make it like three, three plays, plays, something yeah, like that. Something like that. 
yeah. three plays or the end of the series. So if the yep. series ends in a play, he doesn't have to sit out the first two plays of the next series, right? Just the series yep. is over. Uh, it, it also negates. I like that. That I like. I thought, that it, was, I thought it was interesting. It yeah. was one that I hadn't heard before, but I'm like, that would cut down on people faking injuries. Because if, right. it was if a guy's of, injured, he's not yeah. coming back in three plays anyway. Exactly. What right? his thought was also, because obviously I know why he's saying that, because he's an offensive guy. He doesn't want to ruin the flow of a drive. But also, to his point, it's like, if a guy is legitimately interest, um, injured, Shouldn't they be having legitimate medical attention on the sidelines? So right. how are they coming back in three plays? And I'm like, right, That's a correct, fair point. Uh, exactly fair right. Point. If a guy is genuinely injured, I mean, sometimes you can get like a little, hey, I just got a little bit of a stinger, but I can come back in a sure. play or two. But but a, you know, a guy that's laying on the ground, you know, that needs medical attention, right. he doesn't miraculously get healthy in the next play. You are 100 percent correct. That's why I tried to, when people are talking about Sean Crawford a couple years ago when he when he went out of a game. I'm like, the dude didn't come back for several plays. I mean, he was right. genuinely cramping up. So yeah. uh, it was against George, actually, now that I think about it, in 2019. I'm like, no, that dude was legitimately cramping up. Like, that's why his teammates made him go down, is because he was he, he was cramping up. But anyway, yeah, I just think of all the things that, you, you know, change the transfer rule. You know, bring, you know, the million trans, change in transfer rules. Stop using NIL as an enticement. I mean, just all the different things you'd want to change about the game. And, you know, that's that's what you I, want to change. I, okay. I assume the question was probably specific to gameplay, but I mean, sure. regardless, it's still kind of not, sure. it's, it's still kind of lame. But that's yeah. still not in the top, my top five. If you're just talking yeah. about gameplay, still yeah. not top five. I, I, I like the guy from Penn State. I, I do like that one. I kind of think For that would make sense. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, here's something I would do. Offensive personal fouls are no longer 15 yards. I think I think that is a I mean uh, uh pass interference penalties. I would I would change the isn't it still 15 yards for the offense so. if you get an offensive pass? That to me is 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 not as too steep of a penalty, in my opinion. Uh here's another one. I would be a little bit more strict about holding penalties on offense. I I, I mean uh, I, I think they allow way too much holding to go on in today's game in college football sure. on, in the trenches. Way too much. That's something gameplay wise that I would. Uh, it's kind of like in basketball, right? My my dad's been on this forever. You know, he, he talked about you know letting them play in the last two minutes. He's like, why? A foul is a foul. If you if you impact a guy's arm and he's shooting, it's not letting him play. That impacts the shot, right? That that should be a foul. Right. And so, like for me. Like where I wouldn't be like they'll call some like these really cheap holding penalties. But when I'm coming around you and and my, and my shoulder gets turned because you're holding me, how many times we see this last year, that's clearly impacting the play. Now, if you and I are kind of blocking and I'm keeping you face to face and I'm holding the crap out of you, you, you better you just need to do a better job. But if you're getting past me and, and I'm holding on and my arms are getting extended or I'm yanking. That should be a penalty, and we see that not get called all the time in college football. And I would like to see more of that. I would like to see holding from the offense be a greater part of. Now, if you want to say, well, it's just too detrimental of a penalty, fine. Make it more strict. Make it a five-yard penalty, right? Like defensive holding is what, five yards? Automatic first down, correct? Something like that, yeah. Okay, yeah. make it a five-yard penalty. and But be stricter. Be more strict about it. Okay, happy medium. But they've got to call holding more in college football. It has to be done. Next question was from David Lowe, who says, over, under, Sam Hartman touchdowns Saturday at three and a half. Over. Give me the over. Yeah. 
I hope so. I mean, I'm certainly hopeful that it's going to be the over. If Notre Dame dominates Navy, then it'll be over because Ryan, they're going to hit some big plays. He's going to hit Chris Tyree and over, and he just outruns the defense for a 60 yard touchdown. It's going to be a, you know, a go route to Tobias Merriweather for a 35 yard touchdown, right? It's going to be stuff like that. I don't think they're going to, they're not going to dominate Navy running for 300 yards. I just, and, and six rushing. I just don't see that. Number one, because, you know, I just don't think Navy's going to let them do that. Even if Navy wasn't really good run defense, they're going to load the box and make, make Tobias. Why in the world would you say, hey, we're going to, we're going to let Joe Walton, Blake Fisher, and Aldrick estimate eat today? Why would you do that? I don't care who the quarterback is. Yeah, I think their quarterback's really good, but I have, I know nothing about Tobias Merriweather and Chris Tyree and Jaden Greathouse and, you know, all these other guys playing receiver. Now, Jaden Thomas ate them up pretty good last year, but guess what? What did he do in the second half? Nothing. Nothing. Because we just out, we outloaded him in the, in the trenches. We outnumbered him in the trenches and they couldn't get throws off. So they're going to do that again. So if, if Notre Dame's going to really dominate this game, like the only way that they cover the spread and he doesn't do that is if it's 21 to nothing. I mean, that's, that's the only way that they do it. If they're going to dominate this game, it's, it's going to have to come because they had some big plays in the past game, in my opinion. And it's also David just says touchdowns, so he didn't also disclose whether he's talking about passing touchdowns, total touchdowns, yeah. and very well could be a three or four touchdown pass day with one rushing yeah. touchdown as well. I mean, we literally yeah. saw that in the blue gold game where he had a scramble yeah. for a touchdown. And quietly, everyone talks about the 110 touchdown passes he's thrown in his career. Tim Harbin also has 17 rushing touchdowns in his career, too. Like he's scored he a few had, touchdowns rushing. He had 11 football. in 2021 alone. Yeah, and he had 50 touchdowns in 2021. Wild. So yeah, he's pretty good. Beef eater ND08. What's up, Beef eater? Says, do you start our young wide receivers with some easy plays to build confidence, or you just go nuts and pump up Portman's stats? I mean, you do what you need to do to to move the football early. Yeah, I mean that that to me, I, I, part part of the reason Ryan, I would probably go with some more shorter stuff early is strategic not about the young players but just if they're going to come at tight inside then we're just going to get the ball out to the perimeter early you know yeah. we're going to try to force them to you know they, they you know they i'm going to run a screen early now they may sniff it out or they may you know beat my corner and but i'm still stretching the field with wise in this particular game and then i'll take some shots but like look if i think i can if i think first play the game if i've instructed sam hartman in practice listen when we're on the when we're in the boundary and they're going to give us a cover one look to the field, and and we know that they can, safety can't get over, and it's a one on one to the bias. Take that shot, and they show that look first play of the game. Take the shot, you know. So when I say I'd probably do things a little bit, maybe some quick games, some hitches, some outs, some snags, some slides, some bubbles, some nows early. It's more strategic than it is necessarily trying to get them going. I mean. Right. I don't think that's a and plus there's only one young guy at receiver that's going to be starting the game, and that's Tobias. Jaden Jaden had his best game of his career against Navy last year. Chris Tyree's you know, Notre Dame's leading receiver in yards and catches and for the career at the group. He's a senior. Now, of course, the young Jaden Greathouse and Rico are part of what he's talking about too. But those are guys that are more you're getting them into the flow of the game, series two and series three. You're not coming out there series one in that regard. Right. So that's, that's part of it as well. But I also think the nature of, of the position Jaden Greathouse plays as we saw in the spring game is naturally going to be him getting options and outs and, yeah. and RPO things along those looks. lines. It's just, Still it's just, that. yeah, it's just part of what that position does more I, than, I think, than some others. 
I, I think it's also part of what players were talking about trying to get going, right? Beef Eater is like Chris Tyree, maybe getting him a screen quick early in the game might be a really good idea because we have to remember this is his first game as a true wide receiver. So like, it's awesome that we're hearing him catching steam routes and balls down the field, but like, let's ease him into the flow of the game a little bit, right? Jaden Greathouse, I'm not worried about easing him into the flow. Let's just let him find his spots in the secondary and let him go. If Braylon James is coming into the game, Maybe I do take a shot downfield just to let him get acclimated because that's what Braylon James right now does really well. Maybe just let him run some hitches or a comeback or something deep, you know, deep down the field and let him try to make a play. So I think all those things matter dependent on what player we're talking about, right? A, a wide receiver like Chris Tyree, who's playing his first ever game at wide receiver in a live setting. I might want to just get him a touch early on. A Braylon James, I might want to just get him a touch early on because he's still maturing. A Jaden Greathouse, I think you could just run the playbook with Jaden Greathouse. Like, that's what I think about that kid. Like, I can run my RPO stuff. I can run my spot stuff. He can run his option stuff. Like, he's ready to go because you know every single day you work with him that he's just a natural at it. So, very dependent on who those players are, in my opinion. Next question was from Pete Weber. What's up, Pete? Who are the three biggest personalities so far throughout fall camp that have been pushing the team on the practice field, and what is their style? Well, I like this question. Well, we've only seen a, a, a certain number of practices, so I can only speak to what we have seen. Uh, I've mentioned this before. Zeke Carell is is a is the guy on offense I hear the most and see the most. He's the guy that's that's been the most vocal and active when it comes to the offense, and then obviously Sam Hartman's a part of that. But I don't, I don't see a lot of guys on offense that are necessarily really vocal guys the same way you see on defense. Defensively, it's been a few guys. Obviously, J.D. Bertrand's always always talking and getting people lined up and communicating. You know, we see, uh, we see Jason – I mean, honestly, Jason Onye is probably the most vocal guy they have on defense. I mean, he's just always kind of – getting trying to get five guys fired up trying to pick fights like and i mean that kind of funny in a funny manner not a real manner but like you know he he'll be yelling at blake fisher when he's not even on the field you know it's kind of like why are you taking this guy off you're not the one that got up to go against him right now you know what i mean but it's all in fun but you know jason's a guy that provides a lot of that en- that emotional energy i think on the defense and riley mills riley mills feeds off jason more so than riley mills sets that tone riley just kind of goes yeah. and plays and then, like, once the other D lineman starts yapping, then you can kind of see, like, Riley getting into it. And, you know, like, he'll start doing some stuff. And he's one of that guy. The, on the back end, I you know, Cam Hart a little bit. But I think Xavier Watts is probably the most, you know, active guy back there for me. You know, that's Jack Kaiser is another guy that's a really good leader in that regard, too. But, um, you know, it's it's primarily the captain type of players. I mean, there's they're captains for a reason. Jaden Mickey is my favorite guy, Brian, because he's oh. I played with a wide receiver when I was in high school that he was like the same way. Like he would talk to everyone. Right. But like he would also talk and and make offensive opposing offensive linemen angry when yeah. he's playing corner. And I'm yeah. the linebacker. I'm like, dude, he I got yeah. this. We're OK. Go talk yeah. to a wide receiver over there. Like, yeah, that's not, that's not your battle, sir. So, yeah. Say so one yeah, of my one of my favorite. Yeah. One of my favorite Dominique Wilkins stories is some guys chirping at Larry Bird and Dominique's like, dude, shut up. You don't have to guard him. (laughs) You know what I mean? Another one was Bird. Larry Kevin McHale tells the story. Larry Bird would would, uh, start – he would talk to a guy that Kevin McHale was going against, like some great player, and before the game started, be like, yeah. 
no, Kevin, why don't you tell him what, you know, what you told me in the locker room? Kevin's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He was like, <laughs> say some insult. Kevin's like, I never said that. He's just trying to get somebody going. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's how Jaden is, man. He's just, you could beat him for a 40 yard touchdown and he's going to talk trash about how you didn't enter the end zone appropriately. I mean, he just, he's that, it. and that's just who he is. And that's the other thing is you, you kind of got to be yourself in that regard. You know, he, he's, you just, and that's, that's who Jaden is. Jaden is always, Benjamin's always going to be the quiet kid that just locks people down and just does his job. And Jaden's the guy that's going to then tell you, like Jaden Mickey will talk more trash about plays that Benjamin Morrison makes. Meaning like he'll talk trash to the other team when Benjamin Morrison makes a play than Benjamin Morrison will do when Benjamin Morrison makes a play. <laughs> right. And it doesn't right. mean that Benjamin doesn't celebrate him. Mean, he does. We saw that, you know, last year, but it's just like Jaden is just guys, if you could be at practice, it's just, Nonstop, just him and Jason Onye, the whole practice just chirp, chirp, and you know, like Ryan, that's some of that sweat. But then they'll go out there and they'll they'll be physical and they'll back it up. And that's the thing is, like, it's one thing to talk trash. Is Jason Onye? He'll be talking his talking trash from the from the bench, but when he goes out there and it's his turn to play, he gets after it. You know, so uh, that's kind of where you hear see some of that. Now we just hope it can translate into what we see on Saturday. You need those guys, man. You need those guys. You do. Robert Matichek, got that name again. I'm so good. Saw Coach Freeman explain how Notre Dame's 18 end zone hashes at a 42 degree angle represents Notre Dame's founding and point to the dome. Do you have any favorite Notre Dame tradition symbols? Thank you very much. Easy one for me, Brian, to get mine out of the way. I love the lighting of the candle at the grotto, especially at a, at a night game, because then when you walk out, you see all the illuminating lights. It's really nice and pretty and beautiful and a great meaning, obviously, behind it. So that's mine. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily have any favorite traditions and symbols. I just think whenever I'm on campus, I just sit here and think, man, this is such a beautiful place. You know, the library with the picture of Touchdown Jesus with the Golden yeah. Dome. They say it's, it's going to awesome. be, yeah, they say that the Golden Dome is going to be back to it's got a bunch of scaffolding and stuff around it. Now they're doing some repairs on, they say it's going to be good to go by the time the season starts. We'll, we'll see. Uh, But you know, it, the thing is for the way for me, Ryan is I've, I've only ever been to a Notre Dame game twice where I wasn't there for work. Sure. You know, so it's just kind of gets to the point where it's like, when you're there, it's it's beautiful. I love it. I admire it, but I'm I'm there to work. So I wouldn't necessarily have, have any necessary traditions. But the scene from the press box is is great because you look to your right and you just see everything. And it's because it's such a higher press box now where the old press box was kind of facing out towards the road. So you had to look left and you could see touchdown Jesus, but you couldn't really see the rest of campus. Now you sit in the press box and you can see all the campus and it's just, it's just gorgeous, man. So it's just, it, it's maybe a more of a tradition for me to just kind of look at that and take it all in. But I think the thing I think is the coolest, though. I, I think the player walks probably the thing I like the most. Player that's walks really awesome. cool. You know, yeah. that's a I, I like that. Uh, hitting the hitting the the sign the on the sign. way out. You know, yeah. two signs really because everybody knows about the touchdown Jesus. Or, I mean, uh, play like a champion today. But then there's also the one as soon as you walk out, the white sign that they all hit as well. So those those would probably be mine. But I honestly. The 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 field the end zone one is actually one I'd like to see them get rid of. I'd like to see them actually put like Notre Dame or irish or something like that in the end zone i like to see colored end zones i think that would add a lot more pizzazz to the field so that's just that's just my yeah. stance i know i'm, I'm player, not player walk is really dope though yeah. to your point like that's uh that's one where i always i always get to the player walk every time i'm there because it's just an awesome scene for all the fans and because that's one of the two that's that's about the only time that you see notre dame's the two great aspects of notre dame come together 
the team and the fan base. Yes. Yep. It's about the only time they really kind of come together. Cause like when they do the alma mater, they're not singing to the fans. They're singing to the student section, right. which is fine. I, that's, that's awesome. That's great. I love that tradition. Win or lose, you're singing the alma mater, right? You know, playing the fight song during t- after touchdowns, not after extra points, excuse me. Cause they don't play it actually after touchdowns. They play it after the extra point. They play the other thing after touchdowns. Uh, I forget the name of that song, but, uh, and then they play the fight song after, after the extra point. I believe it's still yeah. that way. Yep. But yeah, those are all, all cool parts of it. Absolutely. Coach Koch, in the last two fall camps, how would you rank the quarterbacks? I mean, look, with all due respect, uh, you all know that I think if Tyler Buckner would have stayed at Notre Dame and got time to develop, I, I think he could have been a good quarterback. But where he is, where he was last year, and where Sam Hartman is is just light years ahead. I mean, it's just the other thing too, Ryan, and, and this is just, you know, kind of some of the film I saw from last year, just the physical talent of the quarterback room is so much better this year from a throwing standpoint. You know, basically Sam Hartman replaces Tyler Buckner. No brainer. He's a better thrower. You know, I mean, way better thrower than Tyler was. Steve Angeli is a better version of himself. Right. So that's an improvement. Yes. And then Kenny yes. Minchie has so much more arm talent than Drew Pine. Now he's not as experienced and all that, but he's much bigger and he has much more natural arm talent than Drew Pine has. So just much, from a pure God bigger. Yeah. And that's no knock on Drew. I'm not trying to be critical of Drew. It's just it's just the reality of it. But um, yeah. you know, it's I mean Drew, Drew Pine was five eleven, 190 pounds. Kenny Minchie is Almost six, he's like six one and a half, two hundred twenty. He's almost six two, right? Exactly, exactly. exactly. We had another question from Coach Cops, Coach Koch, excuse me, who says opinions seem varied, with some being high on Steve Angeli and others not so much. Why do the opinions seem to be so diverse? I I can't tell you that. You, You, in order for me to answer this question, Coach, and I mean no disrespect here, I'd have to get into the minds of other people. Number one, number two even if I knew their opinions, uh, you know, I mean, in order to have an opinion on this, I'd have to know their opinions. I don't read other people's stuff. I mean, I get vague comments about so-and-so said such and such about this guy and this guy raved about him, but I'm like, I've heard people say things that I've said and I'm like, yeah, that's not at all like what I said or even the spirit of what I said. So I, I, I don't just assume that what people tell me is exactly what other people said. So I couldn't tell you what other people say. I mean, it's also, it could be your perspective. Oh, man, Steve Angeli played great today for a backup quarterback. And you're not meaning that disrespectfully, but you're, you know, you're, you're the standard's different for him than what it is for Sam Hartman. Maybe that's it. I have no clue, honestly. I, I really don't. I, I don't have any idea, nor do, nor do I want to really share some of the reasons why I think people have difference of opinions. But there's also some people who just don't know what they're looking at, to be honest with you. Right. So, yep. uh, but you know, some people can genuinely who know the game can genuinely Ryan and I don't always agree on players. I, if I didn't mm-hmm. think Ryan didn't know football, I want to hire him. I, I mean, I, right. you know, so I know he knows football, but reasonable minds can disagree on things as well. And just, have, Hey, I put more yes. value on this part of a player and Ryan puts more value on that part of a player. And we just come to a different opinion on things. So, I mean, that could be it too, but to answer your question directly, coach, I'd have to know what other people said. And I don't, nor do I care. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's just like, I've said this before. Why don't I read other people's stuff? Because I don't want to be thinking about what somebody else said when I'm writing something. Because what if I'm like, man, you know, I would have written that. But, you know, 
so-and-so wrote that and I don't want to seem like, you know, so I just, I'm going to write what I write and that's no one else's opinion is really going to impact what I think. And so I, I don't have enough time in the day to do my own work, much less read what other people say about things. So that's the other part of it too. Yeah. But I, I can't answer that. But I don't know, Ryan, do you read what other people write about the team at all? No, not really. No, I, I just, it, it's weird though. Cause I, I think that when people are watching the same thing, it's okay if there's a difference of opinion, but it shouldn't be like one far right and one far yeah. left. You know what I mean? Like it's well, like you mean like what we saw with CJ like Carr at the Elite Eleven? I mean, exactly. It's like some like, people thought he looked great, some people thought he looked bad. It's just like well, how one person thought he didn't look bad. Weird. One person, sure, right? One <laughs> sure. person at on three yeah. didn't think he looked very good. But that's the other thing too is you, you you sometimes Ryan you can have a bias built into it. Where if, you know, you think a guy's something and you want him to be something and then when he shows you a flash of it, you're like, oh, oh that's, that's that guy you just did, you know, or if you think lowly of a guy, you know, sometimes, you, you know, and I try to eliminate that because, and it's easy to do because like if Steve Mangelli proves me wrong, great. It's awesome. It's mm-hmm. good for Notre Dame. Yep. You know, um, so I have no problem evaluating that way. I, I don't. I don't hold to my opinions of what I thought of kids as high school and then evaluate kids in that vacuum. It's evaluating a guy based on, can you help Notre Dame win a championship? That That's it. I don't care if I thought you were a good recruit or not. That's what it comes down to for me. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. We had another question from Coach Koch. A lot of good questions today, sir. What are some indicators throughout the year that would point to a player leaning towards transferring? Are there any high-profile players that you are expecting to hop in the portal this year? I have no – I mean, whether Notre Dame or other schools, I, I have no idea. I, I don't really – because there's yeah. nothing I can do to control it, so I don't really spend a whole lot of time on it. I, we'll have to see how the season plays out. I mean, no nobody's jumping in right now that I know of. I, I don't – I mean, I, I don't think that Kyle McCord's going to go out there and transfer if he gets beat out or Devin Brown's going to transfer right now if he gets beat out or Ty Simpson's going to transfer right now if he gets beat out. I mean, maybe they do, but I can't I can't know that if they're going to do that. So right. I, I honestly don't know what that's going to look like. Key indicators are uh, if you're at games a lot, it's body language. You know, if, yeah. if you see a guy that's that's, you know, let's just say hypothetically, and I'll use him as an example because I love the kid and I know he will be the exact opposite of this. But let's just say Drake Bowen's not on any special teams. He's not he's not playing at linebacker. And during the game, he's standing all the way on the far side of the of this field. He's not near the defense. When the defense comes together as a huddle, he just kind of stands off and does his own thing. Or he's at the back of the huddle just kind of not paying attention. Like that's the body language of a guy that's not invested. And those guys are always risks to transfer. The guys that you know are going to be that dude is, I look down there, Drake Bowen hasn't played a snap in three games, but every time the defense is there, he is there locked into what the defensive coordinator is saying. And he is listening to the to J.D. Bertrand and Jack Kaiser talk, and he is right there paying attention, and he's cheering and all that. That's a dude that's locked in. He knows his time will come. Does that mean he's happy about not playing? Of course not. I don't ever want a great a player talent to be happy not playing. 
right? But that's a, that's that when you see that investment, you see that buy-in that, hey, yeah, I'm not playing, but I got something to learn and I'm going to be ready when my time is called. That's usually a kid that's going to stay and, and not leave the first time of adversity. The kid that's over there pouting on the end and not not being really around his team, that's a guy that I'm worried about. How bought in is he really to the team? And that's a guy that I right. would be worried about leaving, honestly. But that's just a more of a – and I say that about Drake Bowen because, Ryan, you and I both know Drake Bowen well enough to know that's not how he would act. And so that's why I use right. him as an example because I think we yeah. know how he'll I, be I, in games. Isolation is like a big thing, right? I mean, to your point, body language is a part of that. Like isolating themselves away from the team a little bit because they've kind of checked out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, and then also I think an indicator too, Brian, is like if there's a key position battle, and this isn't mo- as much for Notre Dame, but like you use a, a you use the Kyle McCord versus Devin Brown comparison, right? If Devin Brown wins that certain job. I wouldn't be shocked if Kyle McCord transfers at some point just because he's also younger, right? So when you get passed up by younger players, that's usually kind of a telltale sign. And yeah. these kids want to go play somewhere, right? Like, so I think you, are you saying he'll like lead like now, like before the season oh, no, starts? No, I'm, just, I'm just saying that's, at some yeah. point there will probably be yeah. an exit from the program right. at some point. Yeah, if they lose a key. What, what, like what, I think Brian Smith sent me a thing like 60-some percent of teams in college football this year have transfers starting at quarterback. I mean, kids just don't want to wait their time anymore. Like, to me, it would yeah. make more sense if Kyle McCord left than it would be if Devin Brown left if he got beat out. Like, if 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 Kyle McCord gets beat out by a younger player, okay, dude. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. After the season, I get it. If Devin Brown left, like, dude, for all you know, Kyle McCord's going to go out this year and light the world on fire. And you're, you yeah. know, you're, but, you know, Dwayne Haskins was a starter for one year and was a top 20 NFL draft pick. Like, you know, just, yeah, but that's the that's the world we live in now, right? I mean, if you don't get your way right away, it's literally accepted that you can just leave. Just it's acceptable now. There's always a time and a place for a kid to leave, always. And I can't sit here and say that transferring is a sign of anything negative in and of itself because I transferred. But there's a it's what's what was your reason for it? Sometimes it's like you know what? Yeah, I, I get it, kid. I do. You want to play ball? I, I understand. There's a right, but there's a right and a wrong way to do it. But for some other kids, it's just like, well, things didn't work out, so I'm out of here. It's like, man, you're not gonna, you know, not gonna compete at all. Yeah, and it is what it is. We had a question from JHT 1988. Who on both sides of the ball do you see being the guy who steps up when things aren't going well and play needs to be made? That's a good question. I can see Audric being that guy. Sam Hartman, hopefully, being that guy. Jane Thompson, they're going to need some yeah. wide receiver. They're going to need somebody a receiver to step up and be that guy on offense this year, Ryan. I don't yeah. know who that's going to be, you know. And, and you hope that it's Audric in the run game, and and you hope that Sam Hartman can be that money player. We've seen him do it, right? And and yeah. as we've said before, this is some kid that transferred from a group of five school or the FCS level. It's a kid that's played in a Power Five conference championship game during his career. Yeah. You know, but but who makes the plays when he throws it, right? That's the thing about being a quarterback is, yeah, I can put it wherever I want it, but are you going to make the play? That's the question, right? I mean, yeah. Jake Fromm can make that great throw against Notre Dame in the end zone, but Terry Godwin's the one that's got to make the catch, and he made a great catch, right? And, uh, I mean, that I mean to me, that was the biggest difference in that game, Ryan, is, is Brandon Wimbush put two balls late in the game right where they needed to be to his receivers, and they just dropped them you know, on, on in cuts when they're trying to win the game. 
and and Javon Wims goes out there and makes a circus catch over top of Nick Watkins to set up a, the, the the game winning score. Terry Godwin makes a great one handed catch against Julian Love. Their receiver stepped up in money situations, and Notre Dame's didn't. I mean, that's what happened that game. And that was the to me one of the biggest differences in that football game. So uh, you know, something's have to do it defensively. I mean, you you've got to hope that one inside guy and one outside guy steps up up front. I mean, that's going to be that. That was one of the most underappreciated aspects of that 2018 team. Ryan was how clutch Khalid Kareem was that season. Didn't have blow you away stats. I had double digit tackles for loss, which is good. I had like five and a half, four and a half sacks in 2018. But I could probably name you just about every sack he had because of just how it was a big moment. You know, I know he had one late against Michigan. I know he had one late against Pitt. He was just always kind of that when a play needed to be made, Khalid would make it. And and you you need guys like that. Who else is going to be on defense? When well, we saw Morrison kind of be that guy last year. I, I was on um, this morning. I was on with uh, Danny Cannell and Dusty Dvorak, and they kind of asked me a, a, about a guy on defense that, um, you know, I can't remember the, the the question of step up kind of guy. And, and I said, look, we could talk about Cam Hart and Riley Mills. But the guy that I really want people to watch is Xavier Watts because he's just that strikes me as the kind of guy, Ryan, that's going to be exactly this type of player. You know, just that when a, when a play – because there was never a bigger game was on the line, make a clutch clutch play guy at Notre Dame in the last six, seven years, in my opinion, on defense than Alohi Gilman. Sure. I mean, just – you think of he had two huge plays against Michigan, the forced fumble against Van. He just was every time a play needed to get made, it seemed like on the back level, although he was making it. And I could see Xavier Watts being something like that for this defense this year. That may be wishful thinking, Ryan, but I think Xavier's so, the one guy that has that type of ability for me. Hope so. I sure do. Yeah, we'll we'll find out, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what's so great about this weekend. Like we're starting to get a sense of okay. This is what we think it's going to be, but now we now we uh, now we get to find out. Yeah, we had a super chat from Ryan Loftus. Thank you so much, Ryan. Great name, by the way. Do you guys anticipate a giant beer chug during the Notre Dame game, like we saw with Nebraska last year? We're in Dublin, Ireland. There's going yes. to be a lot of beer that is being chugged. Trust me, sir. Whether or not ESP or NBC puts it on the TV, that remains to be seen. They but yes, will. They they, there will. there will be that at Notre. Yes, yeah. We'll try a bunch of Notre Dame app. fans in another country. Yes, yes that will be. My, my 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 brother-in-law is from Scotland, for, like legitimately from Scotland, and yes, they drink a lot of beer over in the UK and the surrounding area. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Although uh, my wife tells me the beer there's a lot different than the kind of beer you tend to get here. Yes, yes. so she actually likes foreign beer. Um, the darker stuff. I don't know if that's yeah. what they serve in Ireland, though. I have no idea. I'm not, I'm not sure. I just know my my. My brother-in-law loves Tenants is his favorite beer out in Scotland. So I don't know if that's interesting thing that they drink in Ireland as well. I have no idea. Another super chat from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Thank you so much, Charlie. Hi, IB. Are you guys surprised the reports that Keon Keeley is playing the fourth team at Alabama? I really think he would be starting or at least playing a good amount at Notre Dame as a freshman. I know Alabama has talent, but that deep. I haven't paid guys. Look, I'm trying to keep up with what's going on at Notre Dame in fall camp. I don't yeah. read all those other reports. Um, I, I would, I I'm would not be surprised. Overly surprised. If, yeah. I would be surprised if Keon Kelly wasn't playing a, a decent bit as a freshman yeah, starter. He, I mean, Charlie, they have Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell coming back. Right. So like, I didn't expect him to start, but 
Full play, I think. But also, Nick Saban is the master manipulator, right? So, you know, you're going to want to keep a guy hungry early on and then say, hey, you know, I need you to prove yourself a little bit more. I, I think that's an important aspect of it, too. Nick Saban's great at that. So this could be something that's like, hey, let's humble this kid a little bit. Sure. But it's also not a surprise because we've seen this at Alabama. We've seen tons of great players that saw almost no playing time as a freshman. You got to go earn it. And he'll have to earn it just like everybody else. And yeah, I mean, would, would Keon be playing as a freshman or name? I'd be shocked if Keon's not in the rotation right now, but you know what, this is what Keon chose to do. And I hope I wish him all the best and whatever his decision is, but yeah, that's yeah, still wish he was at Notre Dame. No doubt about it. I hope he wishes he was at Notre Dame and then decides to get into the portal after the season and come back to Notre Dame. I would take that. We had a question from Mike Sullivan. Does Notre Dame have to get have? Does Notre Dame have, have to get, get just does, get sorry. get rid of that half? Right. Does Notre Dame get more practices this year since they have a week zero game? Yeah, technically they do because Notre Dame season is one week longer than everybody else's. Now that gets negated by the time we get to the postseason. So let's just say, assuming Notre Dame plays a, a team that played in the conference championship, right, Ryan? So like. Notre Dame gets basically a week a week and a half to a week head start on everybody else, along with Navy. USC also got a similar head start because they play in week zero. So USC will be the one team that Notre Dame plays this year uh, after Navy that they won't have the advantage on. But they started earlier than everybody else. And so really up and through the final week of the regular season, they're going to have an extra week of preparation because they get one more bye week than most teams. So like – uh, Notre Dame and USC both get two buys. USC's is actually at the end of the year. Did you see that, Ryan? They play UCLA uh, mm-hmm. in the week before Thanksgiving, and then they're off the week um, of Thanksgiving. And I think that was true a couple years ago as well. I think they've done this before USC, where when they are um, when they're trying to think when they pl- I think they let me see. No, they they played BYU a couple years ago. There's another year that used that they play they they took off after UCLA, I believe. Uh, but yeah, that's that's their bye week is end of the year, so they'll have like one kind of in season. Notre Dame has two in the month of November, but that gets negated once those teams get the championship conference championship week of preparation in. Then it's then it's kind of negated and when you get to the postseason they all have the same amount of practice time but yeah throughout the they'll have a an extra week of practice time on Ohio State an extra week of practice time on NC State an extra week week of practice on Duke and Louisville and Clemson and Pitt and but by the time Ryan you get to October and November that doesn't mean anything right like maybe it, it gives them an advantage against NC State maybe a slight advantage against Ohio State but once you get past like game four it's evened out at that point yeah, yeah. 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 And and game four might be stretching it. It it might not be more than a couple games, honestly. I, I'd say I'll probably say game three because like NC State will have like one game in, in preparation for Notre Dame. Whereas Ohio State will have, you know, three. That's that's Western Kentucky, Indiana, and Youngstown State. They'll be prepared for Notre Dame. That 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 extra week I don't think will have a huge impact in that game. Maybe it could, but I think once you get past NC State it's not going to have an impact on any other good teams you play. Poor, poor Tennessee state is going to be cold with Notre Dame having a game under their belt. <laughs> yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. That's, ugh, that's going to not, that's not going to be good. 
Detroit Hunter, is it part of Brian's superstition to shave fresh for game week, the first game of the season? No. I mean, you guys put a lot more thought into my shaving patterns than I do. I've told you this is when I shave, when I'm tired of what I have on my Upkeep, face. That's upkeeping it. Literally the thought process. I look in the mirror and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm annoyed with this. I don't want to deal with it anymore. Shave it off. Uh, you guys put a lot more thought into that than I do. Um, so the, there was no rhyme or reason to it. I literally did it today before I took a shower. So, yeah. There you go. So, yeah. Sorry. I wish there was a better story for you. But uh, yeah, you should have made it. something up. Should have made a better story. Let, yeah, let, let me let me read this one, Ryan, because I think this is more okay. geared towards you. So this is from Tony Stangle. Says to Ryan's comment about this team having swag. Do you think that's due to having a quarterback like Hartman, whereas compared to last year, it was a big question mark at quarterback? I, I think it's part of it, Tony. I mean, I think that uh, is it is it important to have an experienced quarterback that has a little bit of swagger to him? Hundred percent. I don't think that hurts anything. I would say though, though, from like the, the overarching impact, I think it's more about comfortability as far as what the expectations are in the program under a head coach in year two. And honestly, I think that Marcus Freeman wants this, right? Like he wants a little bit more competitive fire in these practice settings. So yes, the Sam Hartman helped that. Does he help to take that to another level? For sure. But also I think that it's just more about Marcus Freeman really getting the swagger into his program in year two. So I think it's a little bit of everything, but I think that Hartman certainly is a part of that for sure. It doesn't hurt uh, to your point, Ryan, because a lot of the swagger we see is honestly in fall camp is coming from the defense. Yeah. I don't think it's because boy, we got Sam Hartman. (laughs) So we're going to, I just think it's the nature of the guys that are playing. I think it's year two in Marcus Freeman's tenure as head coach. It's, more you now know more of what Al Washington wants from you, what Al Golden wants from you, what Mike Mickens wants from you, what Chris O'Leary wants from you. You're more comfortable in what you're being asked to do schematically, so you're not have to think as much. You can just go play and be fast and make plays. So I, I think there's a lot of things that factor into it. But at the end of the day, Ryan, to your point is, if you don't have that, you just don't have that. I mean, you can you can enhance things, but if you're someone who doesn't have confidence, there's no drill that's going to make you have confidence. If you're just someone who's naturally not confident, it's one thing for a young kid who's swimming to lack confidence and then something happens that kind of gets him going. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a guy who just naturally is just not a swaggy type of player. Like I promise you, if you were to talk to, and again, this is just my opinion, but I'd be willing to bet you money that if you talk to Deion Sanders' mom, she would start talking about how he was that way when he was in Pop Warner. Like it just – just kind of how was his personality? You know it's what I mean? In like, New York, it's not at all. Yeah, and, and that's okay. Right? There's, it's not a bad thing. I mean, some guys are just more quiet, you know, but it doesn't mean that they're, you know, but if you're not a guy that plays with some ferocity and some passion and fire just by nature, then that doesn't get turned on because you have a quarterback that you have confidence in, right? It's, it's right. more about your own thing, your own confidence level and what you're being asked to do. And then that part of you comes out like Jason Onye, that's just who he is. Right, like Al Washington didn't have a course with him in the offseason. Like, hey, here's how I want you to act in practice. I want you to be talking all the right. time. Mike Mickens didn't sound with Jaden Mickey and say, hey, okay, here's the thing, Jaden. I need you to be my talkative guy. You know, it's yeah. just who Jaden yeah. is. I mean, it's just how he is, right? And and uh, yeah, just kind of kind of plays in uh, into that one 
and, but you and need into those that, guys. You need, yeah. you need a balance of those type of guys, like the subtle, Agreed. confident guys that don't talk, the talkers. Like you need Can, Ryan. You cannot guys. have eleven dudes on defense that are just nonstop yapping. Yeah. I mean, you just can't. Uh, that's just that's just the defensive you backs, can't. man. And, like, and Miami just... was that way. <laughs> Miami had yeah. probably more obnoxious guys than most, but they had plenty of guys yeah. who were just going out there and doing their job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and do it hard and aggressively and 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 play with passion, but just weren't just this all the time. I tell you what, man, the guys that always worry me most are the silent killers. You know what I'm saying? I've like said that. Like if you're getting... if you're if you're getting into a street fight, you know, the guy that's like being held back by his buddies running his mouth, that guy does not want that smoke at all. No. The guy I that was... I'm worried about is the one that just kind of just walking at you, like, okay, this dude's about to do some. some I, I think I told this story before, but like it was my junior year. I was playing against a team where they had this kid that played at ECU, we went to um East Carolina. This offensive tackle, Max Hay, he was like 6'7", 6'8", like 300 pounds. This dude was massive. And I was talking to him, dude, like all game. I was mouthing off to him. And I probably shouldn't have because he didn't say a word to me all game. The very next play, he knocked my hands down and gave me an uppercut across the chin during the play. I'm like, oh, okay. probably shouldn't talk to that guy anymore. <laughs> like that was the only time I ever saw stars I, in a football game. I have finally – I finally pushed – too far i have finally yes. gone too far don't talk to that guy got yeah. it <laughs> i'm shocked that ryan was a trash talker in games shocked. Oh, I was. I was, yeah. <laughs> that's my sarcastic voice by the way oh man tom frawley says then will you see right this is in response to how notre dame might counteract the off the option offense then will we see riley mills line up on the inside or outside shade versus the midline or just on the fly well, you don't really know when midline's coming, so you can't really adjust in preparation for the midline. You don't know when they're going to run it. I think what what I like to do, Ryan, with my defensive linemen is I like moving around my second second level pieces and my third level pieces against the option. My first level guys, I don't like to move around a lot. Now, I, when I say move around, I'm not talking about going from a one to a one, a, a two I to a two to a three. I'm talking about you don't go from D tackle to end, you know strong side to weak side, you know, like I, I, I want you kind of, you're inside, you'll have different techniques. You know, you're playing over the ball this time. You're playing inside the shade of the guard. You may be playing outside shade of the guard, whatever, but I want to have guys kind of, you're an inside guy or you're an outside guy. Cause I have very distinct, different responsibilities for my inside guy. Like I'm never going to have an outside guy, you know, or an inside guy play the pitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where I may have an end guy play a pitch. I want Riley Mills inside, blowing up the fullback or blowing up the quarter. If Riley Mills isn't hitting the fullback or quarterback on every play, one or the other, depending on the call, then yeah, that's that's a you're doing something wrong. I don't want Riley Mills chasing pitch guys or trying to squeeze down on a quarterback. I want him coming off and hitting people in the face as quickly as possible. That's what I want, and yeah. I want my my rangier guys playing that that yep. position a little bit more. I would I would not hate if Notre Dame goes to some three man fronts because I always like to go odd fronts against against option teams because it's just like the numbers game right like I don't want even numbers on one side or the other just for like the numbers conversation I wouldn't mind Riley Mills at times being at nose and just being like hey dude sure. <laughs> just go wreck stuff like go yeah. wreck it you know what I mean like I would not hate that at all <laughs> It's funny when I when I coach in the option I always preferred four down because really? it, it it allowed us to get a uh, it allowed us to get a clear t- – well, it plays into what you're saying, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I want As an offensive guy, I wanted four down. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because so it could help me get numbers. more of a clear numbers, yeah. right? Yeah. Where when there teams would play like in a th- – now, now, my personal thing is I think four down can do the most damage 
if it's done right to an option. Yeah. But a three down can create the most confusion from yes. an option offense because the yeah. number counts because the option is built around numbers. It's one zero, one, two, three, four. And and certain numbers are okay, three is the pitch guy, or you know, one is the dive key, you know, two is this, three is that, four is that. It's a in a three-three look, because of the different ways you can attack guys, it's harder to get a count on who that guy is yes. and then what that guy can do from that. A three technique can only do so much against the option. Sure. Two stack linebackers can do a whole lot of different things. And that's what, so yeah, for as, a, so I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, but looking at it from an offensive standpoint, I wanted teams sure. to be, more be in the four, four, four down look as opposed to a three, three. Cause you got, you got to think about the nose in the three man front. He's so tough from a numbers perspective, from an offensive perspective, because if he slants to the front side, that's two on the front side now, right down lineman. If he slants away, that's only one comparative to one and a half that you were considering to start the play. So numbers can just change so much with the three down, especially with that nose. Now here's the second part. If yeah. your personnel wasn't good, I was praying for you to be in the three down. If you don't have the personnel and you try to go three down against an option, you're going to get killed. Yeah. That, that's the other part of it. But if, if all things being equal – a three down can give you a lot of different problems, yes. right? I mean, it, it can. I just, I think the greatest way to attack the option is if you have a butt kicking four down defense where one of your ends is a really rangy guy. Yep. That's that to me is a, is a big key, really big key. We had a super chat from Gregory Perez. Thank you so much, Gregory. Who do you guys believe will be the unsung hero of the team? Someone who the national media gives little to no attention to, who you believe will be the heart and soul player on this team. Xavier Watts is a good one that you mentioned earlier. Yep. Like I think that he could be yep. that type of guy. I think JD Bertrand's one of those guys. I don't know if JD is ever going to get a lot of national attention. He just doesn't look the part. Yeah. Uh, Jack Kaiser is a guy who could maybe have a lot of, not a lot of production on a raw stat standpoint, but you're just like, man, he's so important to this team. Uh, Howard yeah. Cross is another guy that I think of That's when I think one. of that. And and if this Notre Dame offense is really really good, I think the unsung hero is going to be Zeke Carell. I I, I just one. think he'll have to be really good, and he'll never get the praise because you got a great right tackle, great left tackle. Your guards will get a lot of the hype. The running back, the quarterback, the receivers, all that stuff. But if this team is really good on offense, it's because Zeke Carell has taken his game to another level as part of other things going right. You know what I mean? Like Zeke could be great, and the offense still not be great. But I don't think you can have an elite offense if Zeke's not really, sure. really good. And and he'll never get the credit for it. Again, because he doesn't necessarily look the part, but it's more about you just got big time tackles and a and a right. quarterback signing, you know, million dollar deals for NIL and you've got Audric and you've got all these other personalities. Uh, but yeah, he'll he'll be part of that. He could really be part of that. That's a good one. I think it's a guy yeah. that doesn't necessarily look like that guy on the hoof, like if their no. defensive line plays great this year, Riley Mills is going to get a lot of talk, right? Right. That guy looks like a million bucks. Like he just looks yeah. like that type of guy. Howard Cross does not, but he's still really instrumental right. football player to what you wouldn't do up front. Right. I mean, you look, JD, JD, every Notre, almost like say a chunk of Notre Dame fans want JD Bertrand to be gone, right? No longer starting lineup. And my whole my whole thing is, you know, it. Jalen Smith won the Buckus Award with. 114 tackles, nine tackles for loss, and a sack. J.D. Bertrand in 2021 had 101 tackles, seven tackles for loss, one and a half. That's not a big difference. 
right? Because Jalen just looked different doing it. Not not just he physically looks different, but it's just like, holy moly. Jalen could have four tackles in a game, but you remembered every single one of them because it was so flashy, right? Uh, where, you know, people want J.D. Bench because he, he doesn't look the part. He doesn't make those crazy – like J.D. Bertrand is never going to make that play that Jalen made against Michigan in 2014. You remember that? They were running outside zone away from him. He was backside yeah. and he chases it down like that. And so to your point, it's just like he's never going to, to me, make those really crazy flashy plays that makes you be like, that dude's a stud. The way that right. Jeremiah Wusu did, uh, the way that Jalen did, the way that Manti did, you know, guys like that. But then you just look down at the end of the day and you're like, that dude had nine solo tackles, you know, like and two tackles for loss. You know, like yeah. there's still people that don't think J.D. Bertrand played well against Clemson. I've literally had this conversation with people, Ryan. Oh, that's, where I didn't play that well last year. By far his best game last year. He had 12 total tackles, including nine solo tackles and two tackles for loss in that game and a sack. And I've literally had people tell me that I don't remember him making a single play. I'm like, that's more <laughs> of a you problem. But the, but if but when Jalen made those kind of plays, when Jeremiah Awusukor might, and they were just, they just stood out. They were flashier. They were just, because the, the traits were so impressive, where Drew just, is more of a gritty 12 tackles and two tackles for loss in a sack kind of guy. Just, it's a different type of thing, but uh, that's not going to change it. I mean, if, if the kid, if the dude can have 12 tackles, two tackles for loss in a sack in a 35 to 14 blowout victory over the number four team in the country. And a lot of people don't notice there's no performance he's going to have this year. That's going to all of a sudden convince people that Jake's JD is a great player. You know, or I'm not saying he's, I'm just making the, the point that he's that kind of guy, but it'll be very important to the defense. And that's the, to me, the nature of, of the question, in my opinion. Whereas if Xavier's making a ton of plays, I think he'll get a lot of credit because safeties tend to make plays in more open um, space. Yeah. Where you see it. And wow. Did you see that play? What a great play. Cause that's all you're looking at is that guy that made that play where, you know, a linebacker may shoot through and make a stop. And you're like, who was that? What number was that? Cause you can't even see it. Cause he's in the middle of all the trash. And I think that factors into it as well. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? 
what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.